We are recording. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. <laughs> Weighing in at six foot three, two hundred forty pounds, Andrew Charlesworth. Coming in hot at five foot eight. <laughs> former world's strongest man, lightweight competitor. You know him and love him, Rob Orlando. I'm your third host, Dave Lipson. Let's get it on. What up, guys? Welcome. Uh, once again. How you guys doing? Dude, we're we're good. We got the three bros here. We're the the fucking the tripod, if you will. Um, for those of you guys listening for the first time, I'm Dave Lipson. We've got Rob Orlando and my partner in crime, Andrew Charlesworth, here for a podcast that we're not even sure what we're going to call it. It's, it, could, it could be the three bros. I know Rob wanted to call it just uh, fitness gripes, training gripes, just where you can air your grievances. Ooh, that's good, <laughs> yeah. Rob. Grievances. Well, listen, I, I've got a section in my phone, and this is not a, I'm not kidding, not even one bit. There's a section in the notes uh, part of my phone called things I hate very much. And <laughs> as I go through life and, and as I see things that, that irritate me in airports and just in general life, I jot them down so that I've got a nice, a nice collection of things that I can't stand so that we can air our grievances here. Things I hate men who wear tights only with Metcons and won't stop mobilizing. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly that. Oh, fitness douchebags. For all those people out there, they're like, I wear tights and mobilize. I wonder if I'm a douchebag. If you're wondering that, I'm sorry to say, you probably are. You probably yeah, are. Yeah. Lost 700 listeners. The guy who goes to the level <laughs> one and doesn't even watch the other heats going because he's warming up on the assault bike. Oh. To fucking PR the workout. It's about fitness and fun, people. So we got... um we got some really cool people on the show. You know, for those of you guys who are not familiar with Rob, Rob's been around the block a little bit. Um, I remember, Rob, we first met at a North American strongman competition. I think it was in 2008 or 2009 in like bumblefuck suburbs of Philly. So crazy how far everything's come. But uh, I went to this lightweight strong, uh, strongman competition and you know, the dudes were, were all big and strong or what you would expect. And then there was one guy who really stood out. Rob was probably like, you know, he kind of looked like maybe the smallest competitor, but he had what I might call a little bit of pop. He had some pop in his strength. He was beasting all the stones no one could else, else could do. He just had another level of strength. And uh, I know I had kind of seen him once. He recorded like a... a a version of a CrossFit workout that was like five, four, three, two, one thrusters at 250 pounds and a 500 pound deadlift. And I remember talking to you at that competition going, Rob, you need to do CrossFit because you will be a fucking superstar. And that's almost exactly what happened, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you and I, we did compete at that competition in Philly. And that was, uh, you know, that was the first time our paths CrossFit it definitely wasn't the last like we, we have our history goes way way back and you know in the crossfit landscape you know if you've got if you've got a group of people who've been around for 10 years or more like you just kind of feel like an elder statesman uh but you know for for me and you um we met at that competition in philly and and i had a i had a great day that day I, i'm pretty sure i ended up um coming in first place and um i i just 
I did well at anything that involved overhead pressing and, and in you know, most strongman competitions, there's at least one or two events. So it, it favored guys like me, but you did have that conversation where we said, you know, if you're doing deadlifts at 500 for reps and you're doing thrusters at 250, you know, if you build your lungs, you can go out and compete in, in CrossFit tomorrow. Um, and, you know, fast forward to the 2009 CrossFit regionals in Albany. And um, you and I both punched a ticket to go to, to uh, Aromas where the games were. And um, But I really, at that point, I had very little CrossFit training. I was just kind of, I was just learning the movements like everybody else was off the main site. So it's no. been, um, you know, it, it's been a decade long ride at this point. I don't even know at that point if you knew how to do like a kipping pull up, but you know, what you notice at those competitions first off of those amateur ones is like, it's kind of, I don't know how to describe the guys at those amateur strongman competitions. First of all, God bless them for doing what they do. It's not an easy thing. You just punish yourself. But what I noticed was they, they kind of looked like broke down truck drivers. And there's one guy, I think he was wearing like an exoskeleton. His knees were held together by duct tape. And uh, he, was, <laughs> he was carrying like a cooler full of pancakes or whatever the fuck they have to eat. These guys, you know, a lot of them end up being kind of massively overweight because mass moves mass, right? And so I, I think the, the prize at those amateur competitions too, I don't know what it was, like a fucking stick of gum or something is like a pat on the back and thanks for coming out. And then you'd walk away completely thrashed with bumps and bruises. I remember being so black and blue, people thought I was in a car accident. And, uh, and CrossFit was just kind of emerging. What, what was apparent to me was like, dude, if you start doing CrossFit right now, these guys are going to think you're Hercules because they don't know any better because the strongest CrossFitter had like a 450 pound deadlift and respectively, like in, in strength sport, the, the strength level of CrossFitters at that time, I would kind of classify as non-remarkable. Well, then, then yeah, I, you guys, so I started in 2010 and was still into strongman and powerlifting and coming out of college basketball. And you guys, mainly you two, started this this culture, this brethren, if you will, of like thumb behind the bar thrusters at 250. Rob invented thumb behind the bar pretty much from what I can recall. Who's but that? like also, also the bro, like just you guys got after it. Rob kicked water bottles. Dave put his head into the bars. And for a dude like me in 2010, when I still thought CrossFit was kind of like, I was like, ah, nah, this will never be anything that huge. I just want to do it to you know, meet my wife at the time. Um, well, future wife, but like you guys started that. What was, what was that like when you did the, the, was it the California road trip? I mean, you were still both like strong as shit going overhead at 185 doing walking lunges. I mean, I think Andrew, like the thing about that is, is, you know, respectively, I think we both had an idea that like what we were doing was was nothing really unique to strength training or strength sport. I mean, Rob and I both come from kind of traditional strength and conditioning backgrounds. We messed around with a lot of heavyweight before. So the idea of lifting heavy and broing out and slamming weights and crushing iron uh, uh, was was actually home base for us. Home what base. Was not so much home base was like the cardio, like Rob said, <laughs> the gymnastics. <laughs> Um, so I think we both recognize like, Hey, there's an opportunity here to bring the idea of, of kind of like strength culture into CrossFit. Um, that really wasn't there that much. I think a lot of CrossFitters at that time were coming from endurance backgrounds, military backgrounds, 
Um, but nobody around was really kind of from that meathead uh, arena. And so what we did, what Rob did, and, and kind of what we are all kind of continuing to do is, is a meshing of cultures of like, yeah, like it's not, it's, it's obviously not just enough just to be strong because we know what the pitfalls are for that, right? I mean, like from the bodybuilding side, we know these guys are display model only. From the strength building side or, or uh, you know, powerlifting, strongman side, it's like, hey, it's great to be strong, but you kind of end up looking like a potato. And a lot of these guys end up having heart attacks and their, their capacities are really specific to strength, where as soon as you take them out of their wheelhouse, they kind of become babies again. So, like, I think we kind of saw, like, hey, there's an opportunity to kind of build a hybrid athlete, which is the name of Rob's gym, like hybrid yeah. athletics, right? That hybrid strength athlete who can not only hang with, you know, the, uh, the aerobic guys or, or, and girls and be able to do endurance and gymnastics, but also has just straight up old man grip crushing strength. Yeah. And, and it, it's funny to hear you guys talk about some of those older workouts. And I'm Dave, I'm thinking back to when you and I, the early days of when we were working out on at hybrid athletics on Hyde street. And, um, you know, we only had a tiny little sliver at the gym. It was only about 2000 square feet. And one workout I'm thinking of in particular, we were doing, um, deadlifts with, I want to say 455 or 500 with metal plates, dropping it from the top. We were wearing a vest. We were doing box jumps to a 54 inch tire, handstand pushups and ring dips all with the vest on. I mean, if, if you look at that now, it's just, it's mental even now, 10 years later, but you know, for, for you and I, it was just like Tuesday. Um, you know, but I, I look back at that and I think like, I realized pretty early on that I wanted to try to be an athlete that could deadlift three times my body weight and go run a six minute mile. Like, you know, and, and it's just a random day. It's not something that I prepared for. And, and that, that was the definition to me of a hybrid athlete, somebody that can, that can pull three times their weight and then go run a six minute mile as part of a regular workout. And, yeah. and that was, that's, that's really the, the direction that I chose to go um, and it's, you know, now I'm, it's 10 years later, I'm 44 years old. And it's still the thing that I'm kind of chasing is to be the guy that can shift weights around, but I can also breathe heavy and I can do gymnastics at the same time. Yeah, dude, yeah. it's, it's just old school strength. I mean, uh, I know we're both friends with this guy, Zach Evanesh. He runs underground strength and he gets it. It's like, you know, the, the idea of physical culture is not synonymous to one type of capacity. The, the biggest, strongest guys should be the best looking guys should have the, the most, uh, you know, athletic ability. And instead of kind of creating these circles, which really kind of create a compromise in fitness to say, Oh, I'm just a power lifter or a bodybuilder or a strongman or a crossfitter. I think we we've always seen things a little different where we're like, no, like the idea of physical virtuosity means that you can dominate in any situation um is and and strength is is especially kind of our, our forte because i think that's where we both grew up like we grew up in the gym lifting heavy weights and uh and it you know even beyond like our idea of like okay you want to be big and strong it's there's also an element of uh lifelong endurance that crossfit's able to bring to be like all right like you want to be the strongest 60 year old in the room who can also, you know, bang hot babes and, and hold their own in any, any arena. I think that's the idea is, 
is just to have that formidable capacity uh, to do a lot of different things. So, Rob, I got a quick question for you as a affiliate guy too. Um, you mentioned with, and Dave mentioned with the hybrid athletics, like that, that was your marketing. And I think if anybody's listening who owns a gym, you were in it. So like you were in it first, essentially you're lifting stones. You guys probably lifted a little more heavy. Um, was that a difficult thing when, when CrossFit was kind of booming in 2013 and 14 and, uh, and you had your particular way of doing things? Obviously your gym's awesome, madly successful, but did you ever get any pushback from people or you simply told them to fuck off? Just like, get out of here. This is the way we do things. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, um, I, since I opened my second affiliate and, and I've got, I had, I had two affiliates up until January of this year and I sold, uh, the Stanford location to one of our old members actually. So it's still hybrid athletics. Uh, but I'm just, uh, I'm not, I'm not running it on a day-to-day basis anymore. Uh, but since I opened up the second affiliate, which is coming up on four years, I, I've decided that, um, I got very comfortable in the way I do things. And what I mean by that is that I, I stopped trying to make concessions. I stopped trying to appease anyone. Um, I stopped chasing memberships and I just run this thing with an iron fist. And, and so what I mean is that the workouts that get put up on the board, they are simple by design. When you look at them on the board, they don't look like much. They're difficult to execute and they're infinitely scalable. So it is CrossFit the way it was 10 years ago. We wow. are a total throwback to what this was in 2008, 9, and 10. It's just there's a strength and a strongman angle to it that maybe other gyms just don't have. And for them, I just think it's a missed opportunity. But for me, I've just become very, it's become very clear to me that this program works. Um, um, 10 years into doing it, I keep getting stronger. I keep getting fitter. Um, and it's interesting day in, day out. So what I'm doing is working for me and my members and I don't re I put blinders on and I don't really pay attention to almost anything else around me. That's awesome. Man. I think, I think that's a good point is like, it's so easy to be influenced by other people's goals, other people's methods, or, you know, almost adopting, uh, what they, what they tell you. And, and you have to, you have to look objectively at what, you know, cause training is so contextual, right? Like what works for one person might not work for another person. So I think the idea is to keep an open mind about everything, but, what people often do is forego what's effective and is very simple and very elegant for things that are entertaining and mm. more complex and not yeah. as effective. Um, and ultimately, like one of the things that I, I notice about, you know, Rob's kind of hybrid strongman training is that it's probably more translatable and has more carryover to sport and life, even than fucking barbells. You know, people oh, become yeah. specialists, like they, they need their special barbell, they need their Olympic lifting shoes, they need the weather in the gym to be perfect with their music playing. And like, that's not what it's about. It's about creating a harsh training environment to push yourself mentally and physically because that's where the adaptations happen. Not when you're comfortable. And I always yell at my wife, like she'll, she'll be like, oh, I can't go run outside, it's too cold. I'm like, the fuck you mean it's too cold? You're trying to be the fittest person on earth. That means that you can saddle up when no one else wants to go out. And Rob's able to kind of preserve that in his gym is that almost that harsh training environment. And inevitably, like, because he has access to all these kind of cool 
training implements like the strongman equipment, the stones, the yokes, the farmer's handles, and he has a lot of it so he can scale it. He can put that into his programming. And I think that type of strength, that farm boy strength, where it's not specific to a technical barbell movement, almost has more application to what people encounter in their daily lives. Yeah. And Rob, you said something. I want to get both your guys' thoughts on this. I actually was talking uh, to somebody who's, I don't know, I guess you call doctors, whatnot. And they had mentioned that obviously one of the all-cause mortality, you know, being overweight, yada, yada. But one of them they mentioned kind of rocked my mind. It was simply leg strength. Like literally, if you don't have leg strength, you're more likely to fucking die. And I mean, that's, that's Rob, like what you, what you said, we really like strength is important to us. It, it almost seemed like, I don't know. I just want to know what you guys think about that. Like just something simple as that. I think that makes sense. Cause if you don't have leg strength, you probably don't have core strength. And if you don't have core strength, you probably can't lift anything heavy. And if you can't lift anything heavy, that probably means you have lower ben- uh, bone density and less muscle mass. So it's kind of like following the bouncing ball a little bit there. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking of something that uh, Coach Glassman said a long, long time ago, and we've actually had it on a a hybrid shirt. And his quote was, regardless of what the question is, the answer is to squat. Like, (laughs) and I, I look at that and I say, well, yeah, I think he's probably right. Like, you just need to be below parallel. You need to be working your legs all the time because you know that's those are the wheels, and you're you're basically worthless without a good set. Yeah. I mean, like Rob, this, you know, past couple, uh, about two years now, I've kind of broken into the bodybuilding community. And one of the things any experienced bodybuilder will tell you is that bodybuilding at the higher levels is all about legs. You know, if you see a kid that comes in, he's like, Hey, I want to body be a bodybuilder. Look at the wheels. If they've got wheels, you can make them into a high level bodybuilder, but it's, it's oftentimes neglected because the show muscles you know, the stuff in the front, pecs, abs, biceps, you know, you can train those to look good with non-functional movements, but strength comes from legs and core. And, uh, and that probably has the most training effect systemically across the whole body. Yeah, that's... Well, for sure. There's, there, you get that, that growth hormone response. I mean, it, I, I'm thinking back to Ronnie Coleman videos back in the day when, you know, he said, everybody wants to be big, but nobody wants to live, lift any heavy ass weight. And, you know, then he goes into a, a set of touch and go deadlifts at 800 pounds. And, and I, I think like, that's a guy who he focused on strength, like lead with that. And then everything else kind of follows suit. Yeah. Dude. Well, you got to have awesome. a foundation, you know, yeah. like, uh, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of people come in and they want to get right to the sexy stuff. They want to get right to the squat snatches and the muscle ups but it's like, hey, man, if you're a formidable athlete, you should be able to deadlift two or three times your body weight. You should be able to crank out 100 unbroken push-ups. You should be able to do 30 strict pull-ups. Talk to me then. Yeah, and, and Rob, and, like, and what we're finding now, obviously, when you guys were doing this, you were just being badasses. And what's funny now is that people are almost overdoing things like the barbell and, and certain movements that only move in certain planes. They're never working, you know, things like a stone where you're going to, you're going to actively use all the obliques to push your, you know, to get your core tightened with the upper thoracic rounded about it. And they're able to lift heavy again. Like if you were to tell me, go deadlift 500 pounds on a bar for a few reps, like my instantly go like, Oh God, you know, I, uh, I just, 
But if you tell me like, let's go load some stones and see how you feel, I'm going to have more fun. And I think I'm going to get more out of it. And I just see people doing that now and they're they're acting like they're doing something new, but they ain't. Yeah. I know. No, they're like, we've been, we've been doing that stuff and, and it it precedes me by a long shot. But I, I think we, we were, we were pretty effective at getting it introduced into uh, uh, the CrossFit culture and the culture uh, the, the CrossFit universe was really accepting um, that I, I think it, it checks a lot of boxes, right? Lifting an Atlas stone or flipping a, a really heavy tire. It checks a bunch of boxes. It's fun. It looks cool. It's interesting. It's, it's a talking point with you and your friends. It leaves you with a little, you know, the little battle scars all over your body that I, I think it's, it, it does a lot of good things beyond the fitness and beyond the strength. It does a lot of good things for a, for a person's psyche there. I, I say this at our seminars all the time. There's, there's a reaction that a person has regardless, male, female, or age where they pick up the Atlas stone, they put the stone on the shoulder, they drop it to the ground and there's an immediate reaction, an emotional reaction that I don't think there's, there, there aren't very many things in the gym that elicit that reaction. And it's, it's always exciting for me to see somebody who, who doesn't really expect much out of our course. And then they throw the stone on the shoulder and you can see the light bulb go on. They hulk out, they hulk out and they give you the most muscular pose, right? There's something <laughs> that you're like, I just fucking dominated you, dude. Like it, yeah, it's good. It's like a fight, you're in a fight, you know, and it's, and it's, uh, I don't know, maybe something in our DNA, you know, like where humans have always been uh, challenged with these tasks and there's this kind of fight or flight response when people overcome that, they get this surge of adrenaline. And I would argue that there's almost probably a physiological response connected with that emotion. Oh, for sure. I mean, Rob, like when Dave and I were at the Arnold uh, this year, and it's kind of funny because our brand is being outside of like, we're in the CrossFit culture. However, you know, we, we don't shun other methodologies and we kind of open invite in the amount of hype around the, the strongman events. I mean, whoo, people remember that, don't you? Like, yeah, it's really impressive to me. I, I think you got to give a, a ton of credit to rogue um, because they've been able to produce some great equipment and they've, They've got um, they've got the resources to put on an incredible event and draw a lot of people in, and so there, there's a lot of different pieces there. But I, I look at the size of that competition and the quality of the competitors who are showing up, and and some of the the lifts that are being completed. It's you know I, I think even five or ten years ago it would have been hard to imagine some of the stuff they're doing now. It's a different. It's a different type of athlete now, um, you know, like markedly, right? You remember World's Strongest Men, those guys used to be just just enormous, but not very fit looking. And the body type has changed with guys like uh, with guys like Thor getting into the sport where you're like, it's like uh, Puchinowski, right? I'm like, this guy has fucking abs. Well, he's got a V cut. And, you know, I think it's gravitating towards a more athletic body type. Even this guy, Larry wheels, who I think has aspirations of competing at that world's strongest man. It's kind of an evolution of the athlete where they're realizing that to endure in the sport, it's advantageous to, to be athletic. Right. And, um, 
and just the size of these guys too, man. Like they look like two humans stacked on top of each other. They're getting taller and bigger and you seem like the basketball players turning a strong man. It's pretty fucking scary. I wonder where it's going to end. Cause a thousand pound deadlift isn't even something to really tip your cap at anymore. Right. Yeah. Larry wheels is a fucking. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, you said some really interesting things there about just the utility of strongman stuff. I think definitely if you're thinking about like, you know, exercises where the juice is worth the squeeze, or you're getting a lot of bang out of your buck. It doesn't need to be complex to be effective. In fact, oftentimes the simpler things are even more effective um, because there's more time under tension, um, because they're, they're more compound stuff. It uh, doesn't require such a, a you know, a, a very specific array of skills like coordination and flexibility like you see in Olympic lifting. Although those are great lifts, Things like strongman, I think, have a lot of athletic utility kind of uh, in, in the realm of sport and life. So, hey, let's shift gears a little bit because, Rob, you mentioned you're 44 years old. Dude, we're getting old. Fuck. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I, I just had my second surgery. Uh, I had my left knee scope five years ago, and I had my right knee scope three weeks ago. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get some notches on my belt in the, the surgeries. But, you know, for the most part, I feel pretty good. Um, you know, there are some things that I, I just don't do that much anymore because when I do them, I, I pay the price. Um, I can't straighten my left elbow. So that stops me from doing a handful of things here and there. But, uh, for the most part, like I just kind of, I, I take a, a little bit of a self-diagnosis every day before I work out. And I, I, it's like triage. I try to figure out like, what can I do? What can I do? What do I need to work around? What, what scaling options do I need to make to, to, to get the appropriate stimulus out of what I'm going to do? But, you know, the, the, only, the only thing that tells me that I'm getting older is the fact that my, my knees are creaky and I've got more gray hair. Yeah, so that's a good attitude. Good, good coaches, good athletes, um, they, keep, they keep their eyes open, right? They, they look around at what's, uh, you know, what people are doing and they keep an open mind because, like I said, there's, there's so much contextual stuff and it's very easy to fall victim to yourself just kind of being stubborn, right? I used to do 600 pounds of the deadlift, so I'm going to do it now, even though it's going to fuck me up for two weeks. And uh, I think we've talked before with uh, guys like Marcus Philly about being able to adapt your training for sustainability. And, uh, you know, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Evaluating a training program based on the total amount of quality training days and the total amount of quality movement you can accumulate pain-free without having setbacks. So like, you know, you're getting older, I'm getting older. Now I'm fucking, I'm turning 37 in less than a month. Jesus Christ. And, uh, (laughs) and I've been through some surgeries now and I know that we were at a certain point, like we were kind of on that competitive, um, on that competitive conveyor belt, right. We're like trying to keep up with the guys and girls, the CrossFit games, then trying to keep up with my wife was kind of a handful and slowly but surely things started popping up and I ended up with some really debilitating back injuries that kind of almost got out of control for me because I just kept trying to do the same thing. Um, And not only was I super discouraged because I'm like, well, if I can't, you know, deadlift or back squat heavy anymore, what am I supposed to do? Um, But it almost made me feel hopeless to the point where I didn't want to be in the gym. And like a lot of athletes that I talk to now, you know, we tend to focus on all the things that we can't do. We're like, I can't do this. I can't do that. And oftentimes we don't see the things that we can do. And I remember being on my back after back surgery, just finally letting go of the peer pressure of training a certain way and thinking, you know what? 
I'm going to find a way, I'm going to find a new goal. I'm going to find a way to train so that I can win and be successful in the gym. And that was kind of the beginning of my pursuit of bodybuilding. And like you did a hybrid program with a strongman with hybrid athletics and, and CrossFit or functional fitness, we're doing hybrid programs with hypertrophy because golly, like hypertrophy is amazing for rehab. You know, I've never been bigger or stronger than I am now. And I just don't beat myself up the same way. I mean, before this podcast, I was talking about some of the different things we're doing, the different rep schemes, the movements, just kind of thinking about training in a different light, still using functional movements, but not just, you know, having, having an open mind to understand that there's lots of ways, uh, there's lots of ways to skin a cat here, you know, and I'm interested to see like, what are some of the ways that you've adapted your training to be able to kind of continue to stay in a good place in the gym? Well, I, I think part of it is the people that you surround yourself with. And, and, you know, so for me, I've got a, a, an amazing group of, of guys that are, that are strong, fit and capable. And, and I don't use the word competitive cause that's not, that doesn't really describe them. They are strong, fit and capable. And we compare notes and we kind of chime back and forth throughout the course of the day. Um, and you know, that, that allows me, these guys are good benchmarks for me. And, and, and it kind of gives me, you know, an idea of what I should be aiming for, um, relative to age and injury. So, um, I, I, but like I said, before every workout, um, especially with this knee thing over the last three or four, it's been like two or three months now, um, that I, I kind of have to look at what's on the board and I have to modify. So just as an example, today's workout has, um, goblet squats and, uh, front rack lunges. And obviously those are both going to be an issue. I can do the squat, but I have to favor my legs. So I'll do the squats and I'll lean on one leg and I know I can get away with that. When it comes to the lunges, I'm going to end up doing a Bulgarian split squat with the kettlebells in the front rack because I can, I don't have to step forward or push back to do the lunge. So that's like little modifications. I'll get the same stimulus out of the two movements but I won't stress my knee the way that, you know, a true lunge would. Um, and that's, that's like day in and day out. You know, you kind of look at the board and you say, this is exactly what I would do for one of my members. If they walked in here and they had this bum knee, these are the modifications that I would make. And, and I always tell everybody, I'm a cook that eats the food. So I'm, whatever's on the board for my class is exactly what I do. I don't program something for my members and then do somebody else's workout. Like whatever's on that board is exactly what I'm doing. And I've been doing it that way for years and years. So have it's, you it's, um, yeah. Have you, sorry, that, no, statement, that you hold on the cook. I'm the cook that eats the food. That's fucking badass, man. Like I don't think more people need to hear that, Rob. I mean, think about that for a second, Andrew, because like we got, you know, we're, we're really smart, experienced coaches, you know, Rob and I, we've been doing this now for almost 20 years, like in training and the, you know, strength and conditioning. And, uh, you know, Andrew, you've owned your gym for a long time. My wife has been training competitively at the CrossFit games for 10 years, but still I see people falling victim to themselves. You know what I mean? Like, like if you ask them from a third party standpoint, like if, if they weren't themselves, like, Hey, what would you do with this athlete? They know exactly what to do, how to modify him, how to keep him safe. But something about the ego kind of has a tendency to creep in. And after you fuck yourself up enough, 
you know, you finally realize like, hey, maybe I should start executing the things that I know how to do. You know, like it's, it's pretty funny to me. It's hard to let go of that though. I mean, like, you know, as coaches work, we, we're all come from competitive backgrounds. Andrew is a, a competitive basketball player. I did baseball, Rob is hockey and, and, uh, and strength sport. And once you're a competitor, you know, you, you want to compete. Like, you know, can he play coach? His leg is broken, but can he play? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, like, we're, we're right there. and you said some interesting things like, you know, modifying the movements a little bit. One thing I was talking about was like, um, you, there's that there's more than one way to garner intensity. You know, we kind of fall into this thinking of like, oh, well, intensity is just going faster, going heavier. But what I've kind of learned um, by getting exposed to different coaches is that there's lots of different ways to garner intensity, even if you don't have to have the speed or the load where you can still take muscles to failure and get a response by using creative things. Like uh, one thing that comes to mind is like some of the tempos we use with Thunderbro. I mean, hey, if back squatting heavy irritates your knee, try back squatting. 40% of your one rep max with five seconds down and five seconds up just for 10 reps. Like you're usually able to do it pain-free, but your legs are shaking like a leaf and you can see that, that stress response taking place in the muscles. And we have uh, Andrew, you know, this client we have who's got double hip replacement. Yep. And he told us he did our 90 day get huge program, which is all tempo training. And he's like, dude, for the first time ever, my hips don't hurt and I'm doing these movements pain-free and I'm getting bigger. And, and so he's a law enforcement officer. So this is helping him in his field. Yeah. So like uh, what I, I think just like the fucking peer pressure on the internet, dude, I mean, don't look at Instagram. Don't look at what other people are doing. You know, use your head, use your set. It's really hard to let go of that though. You know, I think it's instinctive for us to always compare, but the only person to compare yourself to is yourself. Yeah. Or try something. You know, yeah. Go ahead, Rob. Well, I was just going to say, you know, the, the, what you just said there, Dave, like the only person to compare yourself to is yourself. It, that's one of the things that another little hallmark of hybrid athletics is that we don't keep track of our scores here. So there's, there's very few days where we act, we don't have a Wattify or we don't have, we don't have any way to track anything except for if you want to keep track in your phone. So we, every now and then, and, and if we're doing a workout that I think is it's measurable and repeatable, um, I'll have people put their scores on the board, but not as a benchmark against each other. It's a, a benchmark against yourself. And I'll tell people at the end of class, hey, put that down, write that down somewhere because we're going to use it as a benchmark later on so that you have a, a baseline to compare yourself to. And then I think it takes away a ton of that peer pressure to, to lift a certain weight or to do a certain speed or, you know, there, we just don't, we don't end up having that kind of competitive nature in here. Instead, what we end up with is a gym full of people that enjoy the grind yeah, and, awesome. and they enjoy the grind for the sake of the grind. It's not, you know, we're not in this to win. We're in it to complete. Exactly. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to beat you. I'm trying to beat me from three or four months ago. It's sure. totally this thing where people are so, uh, they, they are results driven. You know, they, they only look at the, the end state. How fast was I? Who did I beat? Am I getting slower? Am I, am I not as strong as I used to be? And they lose the idea of the process or what we're going to call 
the training effect. Like about two years ago, I started doing sessions and I said, you know what? I don't care how long this takes me. I don't care how heavy I lift. What I'm looking for is to target a specific type of training effect. So even with, if it's with a lighter weight or if it's slower, if I'm getting myself to that area that I'm trying to target, if I'm taking the muscle to failure or hitting the range of motion that I want or the tempo that I want, where I can feel like, holy shit, my muscles are spasming, I'm getting a pump in my arms, and I know that this is the, the, you know, the, the mechanism I need to grow muscle, the training effect was the target, not necessarily the result, all of a sudden... I started leaving the gym feeling great about myself and starting to see progress for the first time because it was no longer about, you know, feeling bad that I didn't do what I once did. You know, I think for me, I, I went the other route of once regionals, I only did, I did regionals because I was the tallest guy out there and people just thought that was cool. You know, like people just be like, like, look at me like a, a weirdo. And I liked that. But then once that was over, I was like, well, what else can I try to compete in? Well, let's try, I want to try jujitsu. I want to shoot a bow and arrow. I want to try to wake surf. And then I got into the kettlebell sport world. I, I was able to meet this uh, owner of IKFF and you get so humbled so fucking quick, man. Like, I don't think people realize how difficult all these endeavors that people make look cool on Instagram even are like people see Rob probably lift a 300 pound stone. They're like, and that looks cool. I bet I could do that. No, no, no you can't, <laughs> you know, like you can't hold kettlebell. Like people come up to me in that kettlebell. I had a lot of questions about it. Um, cause there's some qualifiers, people like, Hey, teach me how to do this swing better. I said, dude, these guys hold 72 pound kettlebells on their chest for 10 minutes at a time. You're not even try to do that for 90 seconds. You're not even fucking close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people want, people want things so fast. They want it yeah. fast. They want an easy pill. They don't realize that, you know, for Rob to lift that 300-pound stone, he's had to lift stones 10,000 times before that. Right. You know, like when people well, see... I, I, think, I think what everybody discounts and discredits or, or discounts or they just kind of ignore is the fact that at this point in my life, I've been doing this for over three decades, <laughs> right? That the, you know, It's not like I've been working out almost daily since I was 13 years old. So it's over three decades of reps that have been put in and whether they're, they're all heavy or, or light or high skill or strong man, or they're just reps. It's the acquisition of reps over the course of three decades Absolutely. that puts you in a position where on a random Monday, you can walk into the bar and walk into the gym and we have a cold bar, a deadlift bar that just kind of sits off in the corner at 500 pounds. And I can walk right now on the phone. I can walk over there and deadlift it. And I won't even think twice. And That's the only it. reason that I can do that is because I've been doing it for so long. Yeah, and, I, and I think that the, the internet world and the Instagram world, especially, they completely discount the fact that there's, there's years and years of reps and time and energy that, been, that have been put in to make that possible. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, I see it in so many different realms of strength, sport, CrossFit. It's like, you know, people, people go to Cami, they're like, Hey, I want to be a CrossFit games athlete. And she'll look at them and she'll go, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you like the idea of being a CrossFit games athlete. You think it's cool. They can do this stuff and have this fame and notoriety. But what you don't see is the years of suffering and sacrifice that it takes to get there. And, and, uh, you know, it's just like every people want things so quickly. I, I know like I'll train here at Armbrust. I'll see Phil Heath all the time. Phil's like 280 pounds. He's still like under 10% body fat in the off season. And you don't realize that 
that's an accumulation of 10 pounds a year for 15 years, Mm -hmm. right? That's what it was. He put on 10 pounds a year for 15 years. First time he competed, he competed as a 185 and then he was a 205 and a 225 and so on and so forth. But people want to be like, oh, how do I get that big this year? Like, that's not going to fucking happen, dude. But if you can put on a pound a week or if you can kind of have a steady accumulation of strength or of size, that's, that's the process. You have to embrace that. Um, you know, you can't, you can't, there's no shortcuts, man. It's just, it does not exist. I think a lot of people are, if I'm not training, uh, if I'm not training for a specific purpose, then why am I training? I think people get lost in that. And kind of how Rob was saying, my wife, I'll give her credit. She, she has this term. She was all the time called hardcore casual, where like Rob wants to be able to go in there and just work out with his dudes, go as hard as he can. But it doesn't mean that he has to like, re-injure his knee for a score you know like it's awesome yeah dude it's interesting it's it's actually very interesting there's a there's a group that i'm part of it's a small text thread um that you know they follow the hybrid workouts remotely from all around the u.s um and one of the women on there is competitive she's a master's age athlete and she's really competitive um super strong and she's acknowledged that she's kind of done competing. She's that's not going to be part of her life anymore. And she put on the thread recently, she's like, if I'm going to the gym and working out, but I don't have the end goal of a competition coming up, how do you stay motivated just to train? And I, it was a hard thing for me to answer because my motivation has, it was never really about the competition. My motivation was just because I really enjoy the struggle. I really like being in the trenches and just kind of suffering through it. I like the process of putting something on the board and then seeing how it plays out, you know, like, like a, like a director would, or, or like a, the, you know, the conductor of an orchestra would, where you put it up there and then you see it in motion and you're like, Oh yeah, that's how it works. And that's how it played out. And that's, these are the pitfalls. These are the things that I would do again, or I wouldn't do again. So it was a difficult question for me to answer. Like, why would you train? Well, because I don't know what else I would do. This, <laughs> this is just who I am. This is what I do. You have a passion for training. And I know you, Rob, like you have a passion just for the process of training. The process of training is a beautiful thing. I mean, you're no matter who you are, no matter what level you are, if you're training seriously, you're going to go in the gym and you're going to get beat and you're going to suffer and you're going to be challenged. But it's, it's, it's a, a really beautiful process of enduring through that suffering and seeing yourself incrementally be able to grow and get stronger or maintain a certain level. I mean, I know you, Rob, you, you love being strong. Like when you go to your high school reunion, you're going to be the strongest motherfucker there. And <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's awesome. You want to be in the 90th percentile of all people in that 44 year old, the 99th percentile of all people in that 40 year old age demographic. And, you know, I, I, I totally understand that girl's question. Like if I'm not training for competition, why am I training? I had the same thought when I was, when I was having my back injury and I was like, Hey, if I can't lift heavy, if I can't try to do the CrossFit games, look, what, why am I doing this? And I thought back to the first time I ever picked up a weight, Rob, do you remember the first time you picked up a weight? Um, I actually do. What? So what'd you do? do. What was the first movement you did? Where was this? Paint us a picture. Oh, come on. You know what it was. It was with my purple 
plastic sand filled Joe Weeder weights in my basement doing bench press. Exactly, dude. Like I remember I was in my high school gymnasium. I was 14 years old. I go to the dumbbells. I go in front of the mirror and I start doing bicep curls because I want to have big arms because I want to get chicks. Right. And (laughs) there it is. Why do you train? Because 99% of people that train are doing it because they want to look good and feel good. Yep. And they forget that these other things that they, they distract you from that. It's like, yeah, I want, I want people to know that I train. I want to look good naked. I want to be able to do all the things with my family. I want to be a fucking like, who did you have action figures when you were growing up with those little fucking Superman figurines? Like I want to be fucking no. Superman. Right. So yeah, exactly. No, you want like I had those the WWF wrestler guys. Like I wanted to look just like I wanted to look like all of them. I want to be the ultimate warrior. I still want to be the ultimate warrior. You know, and I think we forget that we get distracted by this bullshit on the internet. You don't realize like that is for most people the goal. So if your training program is not giving you that evaluate it for real. Like, Hey, if you're not looking good and you're constantly banged up or you're no longer progressing, or you don't have the body that you want, don't get peer pressured into training and thinking a certain way. Like that should be the metric. And I think that's what keeps people in the gym is, is knowing that like, Hey, you know, when I go to my high school reunion, I'm the biggest, strongest guy there. And it feels pretty fucking good. And I, I don't think we have to feel bad about not being a world champion or the world's fittest man or woman that that really was never the goal right i mean we started doing it because we wanted to be the fucking ultimate warrior yeah and if you're if your training program has goals that are giving you anxiety um anxiety is not a good thing you know stress isn't a good thing either like you go in there to relieve stress then people leave the gym they're more stressed because they didn't link these toes to bar together. I mean, it's like, come on, man, you got in this just like you said, to look good and feel good. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, this goes for men and women, but men, especially there's an element of masculinity that goes with size and strength. Oh yeah. I wants to be bigger and stronger. Let's be fucking honest. Nobody's like, ah, I really want to have more endurance and have bird bones and look oh, like dude. a ectomorph. Yeah, that's well, I mean, I'm 30. So I mean, I'm not, I'm not young, but I'm not old. So I don't want to pretend like Rob's thinking this motherfucker. Um, but uh, I, the first time <laughs> I, because I, I, the bully in high school, um, I was taller. I was, I was shaped like a pear. And he said, I bet you can't bench 135. And I tried to do it and just let it crush on my chest. And then uh, I, my other friend told me that I had absolutely no muscle. And then literally that day, I found a guy who played college basketball because I was worried about throwing my shot off. He said, if you want to lift with me every day at 5 a.m. before high school, I'll do that with you. And every fucking day, we did sets of 12, sets of 8, sets of 6, repeated. Uh, just, you know, that was it. And then you fall in love with your size, with your intimidation factor. Yeah. It's like, you know, people like, why do you, why do you train? Because I want to be a fucking specimen. <laughs> Goddamn Adonis. That's why, you know, like that's, that's the reason why. And what's cool about that is like, you know, it, 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 it is not synonymous to training. Like I want to have the best business. I want to be the best husband. Yep. You know, I want to, I want to live the best life. And that's kind of the, one of the things we always talk about at Thunderbro is like training mindset, nutrition in the gym, in the bedroom and, and, and in your life, bring the fucking thunder, 
You know, don't be a don't be a limp dick fucking accepting fate. Oh, I guess I'm getting older kind of thing. I hate that shit. You know, <laughs> there are things you can't control, but then there's actually a lot of shit you can control. So why would you be passive and accepting of some type of deterioration? You know, that should be the cliff for this uh, podcast. That that statement right there. Boom. <laughs> it's all about the boners. <laughs> Love it, dude. No, I, I tell you, it's uh, I, I I'm just thinking back on you know the early days of my own training and where it started, and and it started like I said with those plastic Joe Weider weights and a bench press that, um, you know you you typically fail on, and the the sand weights would fall off the bar. The whole thing was a piece of crap, but it gave me a good foundation. That and when I turned 14, my dad gave me a pull up bar, and that the pull up bar that you know it was it was put up into the ceiling joist of my basement. Uh, but the problem was that, um, it was just a bar that was put through the joist. And when you would do a pull up, your, if you did a full pull up chin over the bar, your head would hit the nails that were holding the floor in place from the top down. So it like, but I think back to those early training days and it's like bench pull ups, curls, I, it was, it wasn't until later that I started doing squats, but the, the goal was always, the focus was always to be stronger than everybody else. Yeah. Like yeah. that is, it's, and, and I've never wavered from that. I still want to be stronger than everybody in my gym. And I want to be stronger than, than everybody on, you know, in the airport where I'm at. And I want to be, I want to be the, the, at five, eight, 200 pounds, the strongest version of myself possible. Because to me, like there's no finish line with strength. Nobody yeah. ever said, oh, yeah, I'm strong enough. That's because that just doesn't exist. I mean, dude, I was at, we were out at the Arnold when I was waiting for my airplane. I was sitting next to Bill Kazmaier. And, uh, you know, we just started talking. I was like, hey, man, like you were super just thanks. Thanks for doing what you did. You were such a huge influence to me. And, and you, you know, the things you did inspired me to get into to strength training and all that stuff. He is still a fucking savage. He's like, oh, yeah, I live in, uh, I don't know, he lives in like Bali. He's got like eight different girlfriends. He still bicep curls, 275 pounds. <laughs> a fucking savage. I'm like, yes, that's what I want. You know, when this is all over and done, I want to be able to say that I got the very most out of everything I could. I tapped out the physical capacity of my body as much as I could and extended it out for as long as I could. Um, That's cool. Yeah. And not everybody has that in them though. You know what I mean? Like some people are just, um, they are content to just uh, kind of let things go. And, and, uh, and, and I believe that they're fatalists. Like, ah, it's gonna, it's gonna happen, I guess. Not like I used to. I'm like, fuck that. Not like I used to, you know what I mean? Like they're always evolving, but always pushing, you know? Um, and that's what you do so well is like, you're always, you're always pushing yourself. Even if your training evolves, um, you're, you're always pushing yourself to be that best version of yourself in the gym. So, so I think like when, when we talk about like some of the things that we're all about at Thunderbro, like that in itself really is almost exactly what we want for people is like, live your best fucking life, you know, be, be, be a stud. Um, and on that for note, sure. Uh, that's, that's about an hour of the podcast. So I think we should close it off here for the first hour. Dude, we got, we got the three bros on the line, Andrew Charlesworth, Rob Orlando, Dave Lipson. This is, uh, this is, I guess what, what we call it? The three wise men. That's not a bad one. Um, oh, dude, yeah. 
I didn't get into the gripe so much. I know he said we were going to air our grievances. I'll probably save some more grievances for the next one. But for this one, thank you all for listening. Rob, thank you uh, so much. Andrew, thank you guys so much for, for being part of it, contributing to this. And uh, if you're out there, Rob, where are some of the people, where can people follow you in hybrid athletics? Where they can, can they ac- access to you? Yeah, so on, I, I'm only on Instagram and I don't post all that often, although I'm trying to, I'm trying to post more frequently. I've, I kind of gave up on social media, uh, not social media, but I just started tuning out a lot of what was going on out there. In fact, I'm currently wearing a shirt that says, shut up, nobody cares. And it was, you know, this whole idea of, you know, people just bombard you with all kinds of crap on Instagram. But uh, like, I try to put meaningful content up there um, and people can follow me. It's CrossFit Rob O. Um, and then they can see what we're doing at the gym at um, uh, Instagram, hybrid athletics underscore BPT. And then uh, finally for our, our daily workouts, they can tune into hybrid wads on Instagram. Uh, and that's, those are the three places that we put up content. Are you still torn around doing the uh, Strongman 7R racket? We are. In fact, you know, CrossFit just announced a ton of changes where they, they're, they're kind of cutting most of the SMEs loose. And, and from, from my perspective, nothing has changed because the course was, you know, it's basically going to remain unchanged. The content is the same. We're, we revamped the manual that we haven't really touched in about 10 years. Uh, but the content is still exactly the same and, it, and it's just gotten better and better over time. So there's a ton of seminars um, that are actually dotted around the world and people can go to hybridathletics.com slash events and they can see the full roster of our, our seminars. Um, and we're going to be in Germany, uh, Spain, France, um, all over the U.S. Uh, so we've got and we actually have one in Beijing coming up. And we've got Glasgow. So, I mean, there's, they're literally all over the world. So if you wanted to come out and, um, and hear our message in person, you could do that. Yeah. If you guys are all out there listening, you're intrigued by kind of that concept of a, a hybrid training program of strongman CrossFit functional fitness and the pursuit of strength. I highly recommend that seminar with Rob. Not only do you get great content, but you get to do a lot of cool practical stuff. They'll show you how to do all the implements, uh, lift the stones, flip the tires, even how to make or produce uh, or get your own strongman equipment for your gym. Um, we are Thunderbro, so Andrew and I, um, both the co-owners of Thunderbro, Thunderbro where aesthetics meets performance. And uh, you can find all of our content, our books, our training programs, our apparel and merchandise, also our events at thunderbro.com. That's T-H-U-N-D-R-B-R-O.com, like Thun Dr. Bro. And uh, it's funny, Rob mentioned that, um, you know, the revamping of the CrossFit specialty seminars of which CrossFit Strongman was, um, now what they're doing is they're doing CrossFit preferred courses, which just basically mean that, you know, the courses are privately run. So Andrew and I are actually running a CrossFit preferred course, which is the hypertrophy for functional fitness course coming out soon. Um, and, uh, you guys will be able to find details for that on our Thunder Bros site, as well as off of the CrossFit main site where you can see links to uh, all the stuff and events. So thank you guys for tuning in. This is Dave Lips and Andrew Charlesworth and uh, uh, Rob Orlando. Peace out.